Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Well, good morning, Candeo family. I say this as often as Dalton introduces himself. Uh, as always, it's, it's a joy to be with you uh, this morning. If you've been tracking with us in our Advent series, each week the theme word has started with the letter P. So we started with the opening pages of our Bible a few weeks back, seeing the first promise of Christmas in Genesis 3.15. And then we moved from there to Genesis 12 and saw God's unfolding plan on display, and then moved from there into Isaiah 7 and saw just the ongoing prophecy. All of that continually pointing forward and culminating in what will be next Saturday in God's provision of Christ for us. And so here we are today, week four of Advent, between the words promise, plan, prophecy, and provision. Today's word is preparation. Preparation. So I'm curious, uh, when it comes to preparing for something big, uh, what's your like? You know, who are you? Uh, how do you prepare for something big? Like when you're hosting the big gathering at your house, how do you prepare for that? I think sadly, uh, for most of us, when we're preparing for a big gathering at our house, that typically brings out the worst in us, right? Because it's all about getting the fake house ready. You know what I'm talking about? Like parents, like our kids have experienced that like awful panic of like the final hour, you know, where you're getting the fake house ready because all you want is that juicy like HGTV moment, right? When the, the guests come into your house and you've got that Magnolia mug in your hand and it smells like fresh baked sugar cookies and there's a, like candles lit everywhere and, and the kitchen looks like it's never been used, like ever. And, and then like, that, that, that moment when you like see your guests like whispering to one another and like you can see them like, like wow. And that's when you... you you drop the dagger, you know, it's like, you know, it, it looks like this all the time. I'm sorry, There's, there are some messes over here, you know, right? We got to get the fake house ready when the big gathering's coming. Or like, what are you like uh, when you've got tickets to the big game? Uh, this fall, I got a chance to kind of like jump at an opportunity where my son Jacoby and I went to watch the goat face off against the new goat. You know what I'm talking about? Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes saw that game in Tampa, got those tickets in hand. And, and for us, it wasn't just about the game. Like for me, if you're getting ready for a big game, it's all about the pregame. It's all about the stuff that leads up to it, you know? So we get to the stadium hours early so we can walk around and take in the festivities, eat some good food, just share a few laughs, see the whole stadium before we go in and enjoy the game. Like that's, it's all about the pregame. Or I'm curious, like how, how are you when it comes to like preparing for like a big road trip? This is when my weirdest side comes out, okay? And I got a lot of weird, weirdness to me. But I'm the type of person that when it comes to planning out a road trip, like I wanna get every detail figured out, including last time the big road trip we took, I was like researching gas prices at gas stations when I knew that we would be low on gas to make sure like we were hitting the right spot because for me, there's just this odd satisfaction when you're driving down the road and your kid's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And you know, hey, we're gonna push 10 more miles because that's where the quick trip is outside of St. Charles, Missouri, and we're gonna get two cents cheaper gas. And that was satisfying to me at the moment until I started doing the mental math of like, I think I need like 18 gallons in my Honda Odyssey 
two cents a gallon, like saving myself like a quarter. Great job, yeah. Uh, but for me, like that, that like settled my nerves a bit as I'm preparing, like I just wanna make sure like all the details are figured out. You know, that's how I, I prepare for things. How, how do you prepare for big things? So now I wanna twist this just a little bit so now put yourself in God's shoes. That is a weird place to put ourselves, all right? But let's just do it for a second. You're, you're preparing for something big. How do, you, how do you, of your God, prepare the world for Jesus? You know what the answer was? You send John, also known as John the Baptist. If you got a Bible, I want you to open up uh, the last two verses in the Old Testament. And just follow along with me a little bit. The Old Testament, which is 23,145 verses, ends with these two verses of prophecy. So go to Malachi 4 and look at verses 5 and 6. This is what God says through Malachi. He says, look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And at that moment, God says those words and goes silent. I believe the, the relevant term would be he ghosts mankind for 400 years. Until if you want to now flip over to Luke. Chapter one, notice the similarity in what is promised here. But God ghosts mankind for 400 years until the angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and tells him that him and his wife are about to have a child, which they are way beyond like the having child years. And Gabriel says this, that this child, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb, and he will turn away many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous and to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And his name would be John. And he would have one line on his job description, prepare the world for Jesus. That was John the Baptist. If you continue reading, go to Luke chapter three to see this. You can see John doing what he was born to do. In Luke three, three through six, it says this, that he went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough way smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. His job was to prepare the world for Jesus. And so what God is doing here is he's actually grabbing onto something that was common to people. Because uh, at that time, Eastern kings, what they would often do if they were about to set out on a long journey and it would often take them through harsh and inhospitable lands, they would send out a forerunner. And the forerunner's job was to go out and to prepare the roads, fill in the potholes, build up bridges, all of those things to prepare the roads for the coming king that was going to be passing through. That was John's job. 
John was God's divine bulldozer coming into the world that was meant to level the mountains and fill in the valleys and straighten the crooked paths to prepare a road, to prepare the way for Jesus. But his focus wasn't on land or roads, it was people. John's job was to prepare people for Jesus. His mission was to prepare big sinners and little sinners, uh, righteous people and people that had very recently started to have a concept of God. He was there to prepare the weak and the powerful, the celebrated and the despised. He was there to prepare people from every nation and language that they would see and respond to the salvation that is in Jesus. That was John's job. So we're talking about preparation. As understand this, when we're talking about Preparation. I'm not talking about something outside of you that needs to be done. I'm talking about something inside of you that needs to be done. At Christmas, one of the most common phrases that we will sing, uh, and I'm going to ask you if you can pick the song on this, but one of the most common phrases that we sing is the phrase, let every heart prepare him room. What song is that from? Joy to the World. Let every heart prepare him room. It's a reminder to prepare ourselves for Christ. This reminder to prepare ourselves is all around us. But the question I would ask then is, well, how? How does one prepare themselves for Jesus? How do we prepare room for Jesus? Advent season is meant to be a season of preparation where we are preparing ourselves for the arrival of the coming King. How do we do that? Guys, the mission of John the Baptist answers that question. His words and his ministry answers the question of how we are to prepare ourselves for Christ. If you know the nativity story well, you know that one of the great tragedies, one of the worldly tragedies of the nativity scene is that when Mary and Joseph are looking for a place for Jesus to be born, right? They, they knock on every place, but they can't find any room. There's a no vacancy sign hanging over every house in Bethlehem. And so they have their child and lay him in a manger, a feeding trough. As a parent with four kids, I, I, I can't even imagine what that would look like. You know, I'm used to sterile hospital rooms and all of that. I can't even imagine what that would be like as young parents. Now, I said that that's a, a worldly tragedy because, guys, as awful as that is and as easy as it would be to judge those who are living in the time going, really, you couldn't make room for a young couple to have a baby at your house? Like, who does that? As awful as that is, is it as easy as it would be to judge somebody for that? Guys, it's much more tragic and much worse for Jesus than to go around and knock on each of our hearts and for all of us to have a no vacancy sign over our hearts. Let every heart prepare him room. How do we do that? Now, before we answer that question, I wanna answer the question, why? Why should we prepare him room? And then we'll move into how. Here's, here's why, and I wanna go back to the text that was read over us this morning. So you got your Bibles. Now go back to Luke chapter one. We're gonna look at verses 76 through 79. I would say this answers the question as to why we should prepare our hearts. It says this in verse 76. 
And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation to the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in, notice this, and if you have a pen, circle this word, those who live in darkness and in the shadow of, and again, circle this word, death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. We sang a song earlier this morning that started with the phrase, it was actually a question, um, do you feel the world is broken? Do you remember how you responded to that question? We do. Do you? Have you ever like held the hand of a loved one as they took their last breaths and said to yourself, I hate this. Like have you ever watched the news and sat stunned by all that is unfolding in front of you and, and just looked at your TV and said, it's, it shouldn't be like this. Like have you ever had to fight to navigate normal life while wave after wave of unexplainable dark thoughts kind of crash into the deepest depths of your soul and you're just wrestling with this question of just like, what is wrong with me? Have you ever experienced the awful pain of a broken relationship and found yourself wondering why? Why, why is life like this? Have you ever resolve to become a different person to make different choices only to find yourself two hours later back in the exact same spot that you were in before and asking yourself the question, why is this so hard? Verse 79 says, why? Why is life like this? Why is this so hard? Why is this happening to me? As we live in a land of darkness and death. It should catch us that if God could describe the world that we live in, the only world that we've ever known with two words, he'd use these two words, darkness and death, to describe. It may be hard to swallow, but I know you feel it. You feel the world is broken, we, we do. Right? And we can't point the finger at anybody else. Like, like, I'd love to. Like, I'd love to say that we're in this mess because of somebody else's doing. But guys, what Adam and Eve started, we've continued. All of us have given a stiff arm to God at some point in our lives, struck out on our own. We are the prodigal. We're the one that chose this path, said, give me my inheritance and let me do whatever I want. And we struck out on this path. Can I just ask, guys, how's that going for you? How's that going for me? But all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God by seeking independence, that I am the master of my fate and rejected our design, fallen in love with the things of this world and loving those things more than God. We are the ones that broke relationship with God. And we're living in the mess that we created, like a toddler in a poopy diaper. We're living in the mess that we created. That's why. That's why we should prepare our hearts, guys. 
Because not only is it true that we live in a land of darkness and death, and I know you feel it, but God has provided a way out. Let's reread those verses that we just read together. 76, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of, now circle this word, salvation, through the forgiveness, circle that word, of their sins, because of our God's merciful compassion, circle that word, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. We live in a land of darkness and death, and yet God has provided a way out. That's why. That's why we should prepare our hearts. So how? How do we do that? As John the Baptist's message in one word was simply this, repent. Repent. And please don't miss this, guys. No one who refuses to repent can receive Christ Jesus. Salvation in Christ requires repentance. There's no other path forward on this. And repentance is not, I want to make sure that this is clear because some of you come from different backgrounds. Like repentance is not just a mere confession of sins. It's not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is, it means literally to change directions. Repentance, like what should come to our mind is a picture of a U-turn. That what I'm doing is I am turning from my sin and from the things I was previously chasing to Christ. That I would confess and let go of these things that I previously loved. And I would turn to Christ and I would confess him and have this white-knuckled grasp of him now. That's what repentance is. And repentance isn't a one-time deal. When Martin Luther penned his 95 thesis and nailed it to the Castle Church in Wittenberg on October 31st, 1517, the first thesis that he put in his writing was this, this phrase, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ has willed that the entire life of a believer is to be one of repentance. Here's a few verses for you guys. All of life is to be one of repentance. This is why 1 John 2, 1 encourages us that if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then Hebrews 7, 25 adds that he is able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. Why would we need Jesus to continue to be an advocate for us? Why would we need him to continue to intercede for us? It's because God knows that we are going to continue on sinning. And so often, I, I love this, uh, in Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, he talks about this. He says, so often we focus on what Jesus has done that we stop talking about what Jesus is doing. And I don't want to minimize what Jesus has done for us that he has paid for our debts once and for all. But I love in these two verses what it highlights is this is what Jesus is doing now, presently, for those who have placed their faith in Christ. He is continually advocating for and interceding for us on our behalf because we will continue to sin. Yes, people filled with the Spirit 
who have placed their faith in Christ, who have been sanctified and are being sanctified, will still sin. And therefore, we need to continue to repent and entrust ourselves to Christ who is ever living to intercede for us. Christmas was meant to be, at least at a minimum, an, an annual time for us to stop and to hit the reset button. For us to look at our hearts and our lives, to take a personal inventory and to ask ourselves, am I prepared for the coming king? And it's not because of his first coming, it's because we know that he is coming again. That we would pause at Christmas season and prepare ourselves for his coming. Uh, about two weeks ago, my wife and I hit a breaking point uh, with one of our kids' rooms, okay? It was so messy that you literally could not walk in it, okay? I don't know how she got to bed. I think she swam through stuff, and I promised myself I wouldn't actually tell you who it was. <laughs> uh, but she knows that she's uh, my favorite, so I think we'll get away with it. But one of the things that my wife and I had to do with her is we literally took everything out of her room except for her bed, her dresser, and like one dollhouse that's just too big. You know, I was like, I can't, I'm not moving that. So I was like, you get three things now. And we took everything else out and like only took back in like the absolute essentials, like, yes, you need this. So it's like, we started with socks. Like it was like going like, so, like one sock at a time. Is there a match? Great. There's not? Goodbye. You know, that one's, there's not another one in the dryer? Great. We're going to get rid of that. It was like socks and clothing items. It was every marker. You know, like you're testing the markers. You're throwing 90% of them away. You know, like all of that. Like we ran it through a filter. And it was so beautiful to like give her her room back. And be like, don't screw it up. So... You can imagine my frustration then on Friday, like two days ago, two weeks later, it's like almost back to the exact same condition. I don't know where she gets stuff. I think she must steal it from the school or something and just bring it home. And so there we are doing that all over again. I'm just cleaning this out. And I'm like, this is just gonna be life now, I think. Church, we, we need to do the same thing with our hearts. We need to do some heart cleaning. I'm not talking about house cleaning. I'm talking about heart cleaning. I'm not talking about room cleaning. I'm talking about heart cleaning. Because we're regularly going to be filling our hearts with things that will take room. And when Christ comes knocking, comes seeking space, there's not room for it. Like, pause for a bit. And let me just ask you, like, what are the things currently that exist within your heart? that are making it impossible for Jesus to have more of you. Let every heart prepare him room. The beauty of the Christmas season, to pause and go, well, why should we do that? And then ask, how do we do that? But actually, here's what I wanna do with the remaining time that we have here. And I'll actually be able to go through this fairly quickly. I wanna talk about why you wouldn't do any of these things. Like even knowing why we should repent and prepare our hearts for Jesus and 
And how to do that, I want to talk about like what would actually keep us from doing anything today. And it all begins with the same phrase, you don't think. The first reason why you wouldn't do anything this morning is you don't think you need to repent. Because understand this, that the hardest people for Jesus to save are people who don't think they need saving. And when John the Baptist went into the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance, which is different than the baptism that we practice here as a church, right? His baptism was a baptism that was preparing people for Jesus. Ours is a baptism where we identify with Jesus, being identified and and baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Theirs was a baptism of repentance to prepare the soil of their heart for Christ to come in and take root in them. Ours is a baptism of saying, I'm identifying with Christ and what he has done. They're different. But understand this, when John the Baptist was going through the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance, his message was a direct result primarily on the religious crowd, the Jewish crowd of his day. Because in their minds, Jewish people... Baptism had one purpose. Do you know what it was? Baptism had one purpose. It was for somebody who was a non-Jew, but a God-fearer. They could get baptized and they could kind of, in a sense, be adopted into like the Jewish family. And now John's going through the wilderness and he's looking at everybody saying, all of you need to repent and prepare yourself for the one who's coming. And what he's telling them in the midst of all of that Your Jewishness ain't going to save you. You need to repent. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian family. And it doesn't matter if you are in general a good person. And it doesn't matter if you're at church this morning. Those things do not save you. Jesus saves you. And what you need to hear this morning is repent and let go of the things that you are placing your confidence in and take hold of Christ. That'd be one barrier. You don't think you need to repent. Here's a second one. You don't think it'll do any good. I bring this up all the time because I've even got family members that this is their biggest hurdle. And every time I'm preaching, I'm, I'm thinking about them and I know there's other people like him, that you hear this call for repentance to prepare your heart for Christ, and you're like, what's the point? Either you think you're too far gone, or on the other side of things, you go, I've done it before, and I'm still not a different person, so what's the point? What what good is it? You don't think it'll do any good. Can I just encourage you? You gotta understand this. Like, heaven will be full of prostitutes, criminals, former substance abusers, even those who persecuted Christians. You know why I know that? Because this book is full of their stories. And here's what one of them wrote in reflection on his own story. He wrote this, I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of all sinners, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. In other words, what he's saying is, if God can save me, he can save you. You're not too far gone. The third reason though, why a person would hear this call for repentance and go, not for me. It's not that you don't think you 
need to repent or that it, you're too far gone, you don't think it'll do any good. Your, your mindset is, you just don't want it. You don't think you want it. Right? You, you don't think Jesus is worth it. At this point, you are too in love with other things in this world and you kind of want to keep your options open. I mean, if I commit my life to Jesus, I mean, I'm, I'm on that path and I, I'm, I can't dabble with these other things, you know? You want to keep your options open. Here's the blunt truth of Scripture. There really aren't a lot of options. In fact, there's only two. There's darkness or there's light. There's death or salvation. There's eternal fire or eternal joy. Those are your options. So you may look at it and be like, I don't want it. I don't think Jesus is worth it. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be truthful. Everything that you love, everything that you are committing yourself to at this moment and saying, I'm gonna choose this over Jesus. Understand this, everything in this world will at some point either fall, break, or die. And what I'm inviting you to this morning is to repent and entrust yourself to the one who lives forever. And the fourth barrier, right? I've already talked about you don't think that you need it, you don't think that it'll do any good, you don't think that you want it. This one's probably actually the biggest barrier. You don't think. That's it, you don't think. I think Christmas is its own worst enemy. We get so busy this time of year that you never actually slow down and think about how to even prepare yourself for Christ who's come into the world and is coming again. You don't think. And sadly for many this Christmas, Jesus is gonna come and stand knocking at so many hearts. And what's gonna be over their heart is a no vacancy sign. Got no room for you. So I, Luke 18 asked this penetrating question, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find space? Will he find a room? I can't speak for every person in the world I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you and I'm asking you, what are you going to do? Because the reality of Christmas is that Christmas isn't meant to be something that we simply acknowledge or celebrate. It's meant to be something that we respond to, that we prepare for, that we think. So what will be our response? What you're used to is each week when I'm up here teaching, uh, what you're used to is that I, I close us in prayer. Uh, I'm gonna do something a little different today. I'm gonna give you space to think. To hear this word, to prepare ourselves and to give you space to do that. It made me think of my daughter's story of a cluttered up bedroom, which maybe is true of your own heart. 
And maybe right now what you need to do is like take everything out of it. Take everything out and start reflecting like what, what legitimately should go back in here? And so I wanna give you that space to pray, to talk with God. And then I'll come up, I'll close this in just a bit. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.